Welcome to the Bold Speak Podcast. I'm Anthony Creeden. In this episode of the podcast, my friend Gabe Casper joins us as we dive into what it means to bless the evildoer, how we're called to love our enemies, and the danger of creating enemies to look like heroes. And on the inner out, Gabe and I will lay out for you our stream crushes as we talk YouTube and beloved podcasts. That is, other than the Bold Speak podcast, of course. All that right now as we give them the Bold Speak. Welcome, everyone, to the Bold Speak podcast. So glad you could join us as we continue going through this series, Defending Hope. Today, we're going to talk about a, a topic that maybe is a little bit controversial when it comes to how the Christian uh, kind of worldview um, affects life in general, and specifically looking at blessing the evildoer um, and what that means and how that plays itself out in Christian life. Uh, joined today by my good friend, Gabe Casper. He's a pastor at University Lutheran Chapel in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Welcome, Gabe. Hey, thanks for having me, Tony. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you and, and, and have you kind of contribute to this discussion about um, defending hope. And, and this is a topic that I know you and I have discussed in the past uh, a little bit and in kind of the ideas of hope and, and um, it's, you know, taking a look at it, kind of how all of this um, plays itself out in regard to apologetics and, and Christian life. And that's something I feel like you probably have a whole lot of experience with, um, with kind of what you do at ULC. So um, first time listeners, uh, you know, people who haven't uh, kind of heard from you before don't have any kind of connection to you yet. Can you give a little bit of introduction of who you are and, and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, uh, I am the, the senior pastor at University Lutheran Chapel. Uh, prior to uh, to this role, I uh, served as a church planter for, for five years in, uh, in Austin, Texas and helped uh, start one church myself and then launched two more uh, from that. And then I've been in Ann Arbor for uh, going on about four years now. And um, uh, and really loving being able to do campus ministry, but also being able to uh, to serve in a uh, a more secular, progressive city. And I love kind of that environment. Sure, and, sure. And love the the academic environment. And so, uh, yeah. In addition to my pastoral work, I'm also uh, working on a, a graduate degree in uh, in philosophy right now at Eastern Michigan University. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, thanks. As we talk about the idea of defending hope, that a lot of that for me is, um, man, I I, I want to. I want to be able to to speak the language of other people and be able to speak the gospel yeah. in the midst of a variety of contexts. And so, uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, philosophy has been good for that. Yeah, that's great. You know, and especially with your experience doing like church planting, I'm, I'm sure as you're, you know, setting up ministries in different places and, and sometimes in areas that don't really have a Christian contact, that can be challenging, uh, you know, especially in regard to how Christianity views the world. I'm sure you've encountered um, lots of conversations that have needed explanation as to why do Christians do this or, or kind of what does this look like? So I'm um, very excited to have you here and, and kind of gain from your experience and, and um, what you've been able to glean from those kinds of interactions. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to share. Yeah. Yeah. So, so jumping in here, um, you know, we've been going through this, this section of first Peter three, you know, looking at uh, the ideas associated with um, defending hope. And, and today we're focusing on first Peter chapter three, verse nine, and I'm going to read that real quick. So everybody kind of gets a context for where we're going with this. Uh, again, this is the English standard version. First uh, Peter three, verse nine. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. 
but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Now, this verse, you know, I have to say at first blush, maybe from an outside perspective, seems a little bit odd to to say that you're going to, to bless the evildoer um, because you would think to yourself, you know, someone who is doing evil in the world is not necessarily someone you would like to bless or encourage in any way. But there is a very specific way that that Peter is uh, addressing the idea of how we engage with those um, who are involved in sinful behavior. And that's that's really what this is about. So uh, my, my first question to sort of jump in here is more of a personal experience question. Uh, so think about, you know, times in your life, uh, opportunities where you've had um, to, to kind of face evil with love. What, what's been your experience there? And, and, and what was the result of that experience? Yeah, so I, I kind of, as, as I was thinking about this, I, I've got two that have come to mind. And uh, one's a little bit silly, but I think gets to this, and then one's more serious. So, um, so the first we're, one we're good with silly here. Okay, so. <laughs> oh, good, good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Uh, I happen to uh, excel in that myself. So, uh, right. I was um, I was working at a uh, at a at a, a, a Christian camp in Northern Michigan, and uh, man, it was the the last day of the week, so our campers left, and, and as a staff, you you get up very early that day at this camp, um, and you just clean all day, and you don't get lunch until the entire camp is clean. So it's oh wow, it's like a, a yeah, so it's like a, a six a.m. start, and you're usually done by about one thirty or two. So it's just you're just and you're just cranking that whole time, right? Gotcha. You just had a full week of campers, you're exhausted, blah blah, right? So uh, you, yeah, you're you're chock full of energy right right exactly and then and the meal though is really fun actually it's 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 called musco's and it's all the leftovers uh from that week and we actually had exceptional food at this camp so it's Mm -hmm. it's really kind of fun you just kind of pick out whatever but so i get done i've been just cleaning my butt off all day i'm exhausted had campers and uh and we it's finally time to eat and all of us as a staff get in line and this dude in front of me at line is like he's just this there's people in this world that don't like me he is one of them um and uh and and he just happens to be in front of me in line and for whatever reason you know we're all exhausted tired he decides to turn and just shove me i don't know why like i didn't say anything i didn't provoke he just shoves me and i like man i don't get angry that easily but like i just saw red and and i just like and so i literally I'm, i'm starving but i was like i can't be here and so i left and uh and I did something, dear listener, I don't recommend you do, but I did the thing where I went back to my room and I prayed and I was like, God, just speak to me. And I opened my Bible randomly. Sure. Uh, that, that's the part I don't totally recommend. I mean, there's worse things to do, I suppose. Right, right, but, right, right. Um, Fair enough. It's uh, not, not great exegesis to do that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and and wouldn't you know it, like. I opened up to uh, to Matthew five, where Jesus talks about loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute sure. you. And I was like, "Come on, Lord!" And so I, I didn't want to in that moment, but um, but you know, I, I thought it was so interesting that that you know, to to pray for those who persecute, to pray that God would bless them, that God would care for them, that that God would enrich their lives, right. that things would go well right. for them. You know, like and and so to do that. I don't know that it changed that guy, sure. uh, but it changed me, sure. you know, and I entered sure, into sure, this sure. moment where, where God helped me see him as he sees yeah. him and helped me to love him where, where he's at. And, uh, I'm not going to say he and I are best friends, but we are Facebook friends, <laughs> oh, you know, right, and, yeah. uh, and we, you know, so, uh, we're, we're good. Uh, and, and it's, uh, 
it, it was just a, a moment where instead of seeking revenge, God worked a change in my heart, kind of just through encountering yeah. him in prayer and in scripture. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want me to hop right in the second one? Is that all yeah, right? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Cool. You're on a roll. Okay, well, so in the second one, I, I had a, uh, a staff member who uh, years ago, uh, no one anyone would know, uh, but had... <laughs> uh, um, had had some significant moral failings and mm. um trying to help that individual navigate those things i mean they didn't abuse anyone or anything like that but sure um but trying to help them navigate that i i ended up being uh how do i put it i caught the buckshot for a lot of other people um from mm. this individual so even gotcha. as i was trying to help them navigate these things they insisted on viewing me as as the enemy in the midst gotcha. of this and sure. and so just continually had stuff come at me and and so that for me it was a hard moment where i felt very confident i was doing the right thing and felt like i was getting wronged for doing the right thing right right um you know and the thing is though this one took time right so that first one was like hey i pray god does this thing in my heart i'm in a new place right this one was like two years of oh, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. praying, you know, and anguish. And, yeah. and finally though, God opened the door and, and me and this individual are in conversation again, friendly conversation again. Um, and, and able to, uh, to, to be together. And, and so it, it's yeah. been good, but that was just one where it was just this long grind of kind of patient endurance in the midst of that. And I don't want to make myself sound more pious than I am. I, I'm sure I made mistakes uh, no, sure, along sure, the sure. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. You know, I, I've I've had similar experiences. Um, you know, I, I in sort of a it's kind of the same thing. I have a, a bit of a silly one, and and I reference this in my blog. Um, when I was a kid, I, I um, it was going through some tests and stuff, and had a nurse who was just in a bad mood. And and through you know uh, being kind to her and showing her kindness and and acting in a loving way, it really kind of turned her mood. And and you can uh, read about that one specifically if you want to. That's on the blog at theboldspeak.com forward slash blog. Um, you can check that out. It's a kind of a, a funny kind of interesting story the other one is very similar i've, I've had um it was in a situation where it just had conflict with um a, a staff person and um just it was a really really difficult time you know i you know in that situation i had some moral failings and, and things that i was dealing with and and um there were decisions that were made on how to handle that that i didn't necessarily agree with and and um, it was just, it was, it was a bit of a mess in, in many ways, but for a while, for a long while, I, I sort of looked at this person as, as my enemy, um, mm -hmm. and, and really saw an adversarial perspective, um, with this person. But, you know, as I kind of talked with my therapist and kind of worked through things, it ended up, uh, kind of a fascinating thing as, as I realized that in a lot of the decisions that were made and in ways that we interacted, I, I actually learned a lot through that. And in some ways that was beneficial to me to sort of go through that um, and, and process that because it, it helped me to separate from something that I think is really important, which is, uh, you know, a, a lot of times we make people uh, kind of the enemy or put people in an adversarial position because we sort of carry this Superman complex. And something yeah. my therapist said to me that I always thought was very impactful was, um, the problem with a Superman complex is that Superman needs a villain, right? In other words, to That's show right. his goodness, he needs to be put up against someone who uh, kind of emulates the idea of, of evil. And so 
when you have that Superman complex, you tend to create villains yeah. that make you feel more pious or righteous. And, and, yes. and, and that creates more conflict and creates more problems, which I feel like is the, the opposite direction. I know is the opposite direction that Peter's going with this, right? Yeah. To, to not sort of embrace the fact that they're the enemy and they're the bad guy, but rather pray for them, right? Bless them, um, pursue a relationship with them where you hope that they are enriched by the word of God, enriched by the, the gospel and the love that you show them and then yeah. change comes about um yeah and, and that's really where that's you know I, I that's where i think peter is definitely directing us uh to go with with those kinds of conflicts i think so and i, I think your man your therapist is so right on in terms of that you know superman needs a villain like if we look at so much of our world right now and, and tragically i think within the christian church uh in many ways as well um we we feel we have we, we find our identity in who we're not and in who we're against right. right as as opposed to in who we're for and who we are right um and yeah and that's clearly disastrous <laughs> right yeah, yeah well and, and it sets us up to, to be in a position where you know and this is this has become a bit cliche but i think cliche because it's true Yep. is that people tend to distance themselves then from the church because the church is more known for what they're against than what they're for. Right. Um, and and so when your dialogue out into the world, in particular with the, the, the moral failings of of a, you know, a culture that definitely has its its struggles. But when when that's all you're talking about, right, is, is yeah. those moral failings and, and who the enemies are. So we know that it, it definitely sends a different message then it then it appears Jesus would like us to send, That's right? right. Um, you know, <laughs> the only times he interacted, you know, with those who were at the time, quote unquote, the enemy was with the Pharisees. And even then yep. he tried so often to get them to repent and turn and find relationship with Christ. Yep. Um, and, and that's right. That's the key. That's kind of what we're pursuing and, and, and what we're after. Um, yep. So so that being said, you know, looking at the the blessings that that Peter's talking about, what how would you describe or, or you know, what words would you use to describe that that kind of blessing that Peter is asking us to give? Yeah, like like what what does it mean to to bless the evildoer? Um, I to to me, I, I can't help but but think that it first has to start with grace uh that right. it's 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 that activity of being the one to extend the olive branch you know because mm -hmm. his reality is i mean you know c.s lewis talks about this right where he's like this is not an exact quote but the general paraphrase where it's like everyone thinks forgiveness is a great idea until you have to forgive right um you right. know and and that is true like I, I think about it like i look at a lot of the conflicts in our world and i'm like why don't you people just let it go and then i'll get in a conflict and i'll be like i'll never let go you know <laughs> right. so it's, it's like this and so it's like learning to to uh to die to myself at some level and extend that olive branch extend that be the first to extend that that grace i mean that's uh i heard a story once about uh, a married couple where the rule in their house was like uh, whenever they have a fight, the person who wins uh, is the first one to apologize. Uh, that's right. that's who wins the fight, right? And, right, and right. I think there's there's something to that, or you know, it could be the first one to forgive is the one who right. wins. But, sure. but to like sure, sure. kind of try and build that in myself, and I think that's the blessing Peter's getting at is to say, you know, and sorry if I can go off for a second here. I mean, this yeah. is uh, it's it's like the the early church, you know, didn't convert Rome because of its persuasive 
preaching as much as right, I lament right, that. Right, uh, right. You know, it, it converted yep. Rome because it died well uh, yes. and died loving its enemies. I mean, you know, Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies. Like that was the John three sixteen of the early church. Yeah, and, it really and was. And so there's this, this powerful thing that happens when we learn to, to love our enemies. And in, instead of extending wrath, we extend grace. Right. Uh, and that's, you know, that is a message that I think is throughout the New Testament also shows itself up in several places in the Old Testament, you know, but I think, you know, you, you consider the story of Stephen and, and, you know, what Stephen's doing, you know, as they're killing him, right? And as, as oh, by the way, Paul is overseeing said right, stoning, right? right? And, and that kind of message for, for the people to see, you know, the idea and in, in emulating Christ's words and forgive them for they know not what they do, you know, it, it, it really puts into perspective who it is that we're calling the enemy and, and who is not, um, yeah. which is, I think, something that the, the church, you know, we, we need to stop every once in a while and consider who the real enemy is here um, yes. and, and, and who it's not. Um, yes. And I, I think that's kind of part of this, because when you stop seeing other people as the enemy, you yep. open a door now to see them as a beloved child of God, worthy of the grace, mercy, and gospel love that that we've been called to. And and that's, you know, again, that's a different headspace than I think a secular world would put us in. Yeah. Um, th there's a fondness for the adversarial relationship in many ways. Yeah, yeah, there, there is. There's this like, and again, I think it comes to that because I can define myself by what I'm not. And so because I'm sure not a Republican or a Democrat or whatever, uh, then they can be the enemy. And I, I feel this sort of sense of dignity within myself because of that. Right. And it's like, we just, you don't have to live that way, man. Right. <laughs> you just yeah. don't. Uh, no, you know, I'm, I, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, um, you know, the, the, the parable that Jesus gives in Luke after he talks about the, um, or gives the parable of the, um, persistent widow. And he, he then gives the parable of the, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector who go in to pray. Right. And the, and the Pharisee's yeah. prayer is thank God. I'm not that guy, that right. Guy. Yep. That I'm not the tax collector. Whereas the tax collector goes in with humility and says, you know, forgive me for, I know I've made mistakes. And, and the distinction that he shows there and the fact that that shows up in a larger set of parables in a narrative discussing who will be in the kingdom on the last day and who will not um yep. right and this, this idea of you know if you if you want to compare um what it looks like to be a follower of christ as opposed to what it looks like to not be a follower of christ um the pharisee yep. definitely emulated the unchristian way to go about it <laughs> but not. that is a very yep. popular secular mentality yep. um thank god i'm not that guy you know I, and i <laughs> i'm reminded of a lot of the conversations i've had around many popular um reality television shows where it's like well i watch it because oh man it makes me feel so good that i'm not yes. that bad yeah. you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. oh man that makes me feel great and it's yeah. like well is that really the way we is should go about this it? right yeah. um yeah but <laughs> you know, you see that. Um, so, yeah. you know, I well, think it's definitely something we should be aware of. For sure. For sure. Can I maybe add one more wrinkle to us here? Absolutely. I, I think there, there is a little bit of a tension we want to think about when it comes to, to quote unquote, blessing the evildoer. I do, again, think it starts with grace, starts with extending that forgiveness. Mm -hmm. One of the things, though, too, th there is a place to confront evil, right? Like, like there is a place to like, this is not... 
being a doormat. Um, right, right, absolutely. You know, uh, there, there's healthy and, and appropriate ways to do that, uh, especially if the evildoer is wronging someone that's not you, uh, you know, right, and, right. and there's ways to stand up for justice and that sort of thing. But I think what you've noted so well, Tony, especially like as we think about the, the Pharisee and tax collector, is that even that, even the confronta- confrontation with the evildoer is done in humility. Yes. And when that's the case, that is still then a blessing, right? Because for the right. evildoer to continue in evil is not good for them. It's, it's actually right. a blessing right. to help them see like, oh, th- this isn't a good way to live. Um, right. And, yeah. and so there's there's an awareness there too, I think. Yeah, well, you know, and that uh, that's an excellent point. And I think that that segues us very nicely into, you know, the, the end of this verse, which I think can be sometimes confusing because, you know, Peter mentions that we, by by blessing the evildoer, will receive in and of itself a, a, a blessing. And, 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 you know, what is that blessing? What, what is the <laughs> blessing that we are going to obtain by blessing the evildoer? Yeah, uh, I think it's cars and homes and larger bank accounts. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Vast wealth as a result of blessing yes. the evildoer. That's, that's I guess how it, it works. also depends on what the evildoer is doing, right? If he's stealing I and suppose. you're blessing his yeah. theft, then yeah, you're going to get rather wealthy. There you go. There you go. Yeah, no, that was, that was a joke, good friends. Um, no, <laughs> yes, definitely. I, definitely. I joke. mean, it is... It is tricky to say precisely what it is, but but I think there's a few things we can we can probably sit in. Like so, one uh, certainly I think you can have reconciled relationships, and and you and yeah. I have both kind of shared stories where that that happens. Although yes. we should be clear that doesn't always happen. Like no, the, no, 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 no. Yep, uh, absolutely. But it is certainly more likely to happen if you bless the, the evildoer. So I think that's one right. blessing. I think the other thing though, and. I want to be sure I say this the right way, but but I think the blessing is, man, you're in line with the posture of God's heart, right? Uh, and that's, man, that's the a blessing. Great way to put that, because that's like that, like God blesses the evildoer. I mean, that's what Jesus says. He says God causes the rain to fall on both the righteous and the unrighteous, and that's right. You know, the testimony of the New Testament is is that when we were enemies of God, when we were dead in our sin, when we were shaking our fist at God. He mm-hmm. reached down in grace. He reached down in love. He reached down and, and bridged that gap. And yeah. so when we bless the evildoer, man, we're right in line with the posture of God's heart. And that's right. um, how could that not be a place of blessing? Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, you know, that's the essence of sort of gospel living as, you know, the gospel doesn't remain some sort of ethereal kind of love where we think of like, Jesus saved us. Great. I know that. Right. I've, I've been able to comprehend that. And so I'm, I'm good. But you know, rather it's an outpouring of that same kind of love in the lives of other people. And, and, and there is definite growth and blessing with that, you know, and, and I, I'm a big fan of alignment language. You know, I, I think, mm. you know, I'm, I'm more and more convinced that, that at the heart of prayer is alignment, right? And you yes. look through the Lord's prayer and, and everything that Jesus is saying is in, in every moment, align me with your will, right? Uh, align yes. me with your will. And and this kind of, of blessing of the evildoer to live in gospel love, to live in forgiveness, to live in that posture of love does have an alignment effect within us that I think encourages and, and strengthens our hearts. It strengthens our spirit. Um, you know, when you start to get a real sense of the of the spirit's work and and how God can bring together relationships and and bring together people, even those people that we see as quote unquote the evildoer, um, and, yep. and that's a tremendous blessing. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that idea of thinking about the Lord's Prayer as a prayer of alignment. Uh, like that's that's really that's really cool. And yeah, and and again, I think, and I know this is a big part of bold speak and in your personal ministry, Tony, of that the the gospel is not it's not merely this truth we affirm intellectually, but it's a reality we kind of live in. Yeah. Um, and it's like blessing the evildoer is is just core to that. Just it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it really kind of sits at the heart of of you know what it means to have a gospel oriented posture and, and to live uh, to live out the gospel. Um, so you know, I guess all of this being said, it, I'd like to take a moment and sort of reflect now uh, these ideas on on the world. You know, and because I think there are places where you've seen this. Um, even from people who have no necessary ties to Christianity in any way, it's just something inside of them understands this this posture of love um, and grace and mercy. And so I think there are some places where it's done well. I also think there are some places where it's not done well at all. Um, so um, what what has been yeah. your experience? What do you see as this is kind of applied um, in, in yeah. the nature of kind of blessing and interacting with the evildoer? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some big historical ones that just immediately leap to mind for me. I mean, so first of all, we'd maybe look at uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, led by uh, yeah, Archbishop yeah. Desmond Tutu, uh, yep. and the work that was done there to end apartheid and to to create forgiveness between people. Um, and you even look at a lot of the work that was done after the Rwandan genocide and the forgiveness that that was done uh, by right. uh, folks there. Uh, and then, of course, in our own nation, uh, you know, we, it. it we obviously can't help but think of, of MLK and, and the work he did right. and, and even personal stories of him of, you know, there's this story of him giving a speech and, and a man comes up uh, to, to shoot him and the gun doesn't work and MLK just hugs him just right. hugs him, right. you know, right. and like that was his fight, you know, right, uh, right, right. It's just incredible. Um, or, yeah, you know, Pope John Paul II was, uh, you know, in, in the Soviet Union once and, and, and was shot by a man. And as soon as he got out of the hospital, you know, went to the prison where the man was and forgave him. Uh, right. And so some really big, powerful historical ones. And then uh, if I can, just one like personal one in, in my family life. Um, my uh, I think it's OK. I share this. Yeah. Uh, my my mother-in-law, her her dad abandoned her when she was a little girl and mm -hmm. um just just left and she didn't hear from him for decades and then mm -hmm. um about it's about 10 years ago now uh you know so she's grown her kids are grown sure. he shows up again wow uh and and she did not respond by saying how dare you she did not respond by saying get out of here she embraced him and loved him wow. and visited him and they enjoyed a restored relationship for uh, the last three, four years of his life on earth. And I was actually a pallbearer at his funeral. Uh, this oh, man wow. who had wronged her so powerfully, but because she sure. was willing to step into that, uh, you know, just, just powerful stuff that way. Yeah. You know, I, I, you, you hear things like that. And, and I think you would agree neither you nor I, nor anyone we know could preach a sermon more powerful than yep. any of those acts of gospel love. Yep. Right. Uh, there, yep. There's nothing we could say that would carry the kind of impact that that MLK hugging the man who just attempted to assassinate him. 
yep. that, that 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 communicates uh, that yep. those kind of things are unreal um yep. and you have to think people are standing around sort of scratching their heads wondering what yeah. what is going on with him what i mean is, even people who would have confessed to be christians right yep. standing around going why how does yep. that even work yep yeah it's yeah. it's it's uh you know, I just preached on this at a chapel earlier this week, but uh, the, the church father Tertullian, second century church father Tertullian, uh, is kind of famous for saying creo quia absurdum, uh, I believe because it is absurd. And mm-hmm. and he wasn't advocating for like fideism and just like having sure, faith sure, and sure. faith. Like, he, he was, what he's saying is like, when the gospel is actually embodied, when it's actually lived, it's so absurd that right. you can't help but take notice of it. You can't help right. but be captivated by it, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I think in many ways we have, uh, I guess maybe recently struggled to embrace just how radical Jesus' love was. Yeah. I mean, just how incredibly radical for the time it was to do the things that he did, right? To, to, to speak to a Samaritan woman plainly yeah. um, at a well and, and treat yeah. her like a human being. Um, yeah. You know, to, to, to interact with sinners and tax collectors the way that he did, reclining at table, eating with them, that kind of fellowship and that kind of interaction um, was was just truly radical and, and would be radical today um, yes. if he were to yes. do the same sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, you could, like that's like, you know, Zacchaeus, we sing the cute little song, but right, it's like, right. Zacchaeus was a terrible human being. Yes, like, he terrible was. Terrible guy. Yeah. You know, and Jesus intentionally is like, yeah, I'm going to hang out with you. You know, I mean, right. just crazy. Right. Well, and, and the funny thing is, 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 you know, I've pointed this out to people in conversations about Zacchaeus before. Notice what Jesus doesn't say there, right? Like he, he doesn't walk up to Zacchaeus and say, Zacchaeus, your sins are forgiven, right? You are beloved by God. You are, he doesn't say any of those things, even though he could, even though those yep. things are true, he doesn't say anything. All he says is, I'm going to come and chill with you for a little while. Yeah. And immediately yeah. Zacchaeus goes, oh my gosh, I'm going to return fourfold everything that yeah. I've taken. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's this, it's this immediate posture of repentance just because Jesus said, I'm going to come and stay at your house. His willingness and follow through in an act of love is what changed Zacchaeus's heart, not his words. Yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, that's significant, right? That's yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was his embodiment of the gospel. And of course right. you and I both believe big time in the proclamation of the gospel. Right. Absolutely. The, the power of the gospel imbo- it, when it's embodied is surreal. It, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I I think obviously on the other side of this coin, I think there's a lot of of areas where the world struggles, um, you know, with this, you know, and and we've talked about that a lot in terms of the adversarial relationship. So, you know, I think moving forward, how how do we, you know, how do we as the church encourage others to embody this kind of gospel living um, to, to quote unquote, bless the evildoer? I, I think one of the things in particular we're seeing in the church in the U.S. and perhaps I may say within um, evangelicalism broadly understood within the U.S. Um, that we're wrestling with is what does it mean when we are not 
the cultural majority and when we're not the mm. cultural power. Sure. And, and so what we've seen, I think, is this deep insecurity come up within the church. And so there's been this desire to then find these enemies and attack these enemies. And that's what right. we need to do to preserve our cultural power, to preserve our cultural majority. Right. And instead, I, you know, and it's coming from this place of insecurity. It's coming from this place of fear. And I think instead it's a matter of embracing that we don't have to be afraid. We, we can, we have the gospel. We have Jesus. He is actually enough. Uh, the church historically does really well when it's a minority. Uh, right. It historically does really well when it's the underdog. And, sure. and, and, and we actually then have the opportunity to be servants and we have the opportunity uh, to, to enter into the world, not from, from a top down place, but from a bottom up place, which seems yeah. a lot more in line with the gospel anyways. Uh, but yes. it is scary because there's generations of people that have not lived that way. And so we're, I think in this, I think the reason we have a significant amount of uh, tumultuousness within the church uh, in the U.S. is we just don't know what that means because we haven't been there for a couple generations, and and now right. we are, and so it's learning to say, okay, we're okay. Like Jesus is still real, even if people leave the church. Jesus is still real, even if values shift radically from what I think they should be. Right, um, right. It's okay, and I can still love my my supposed enemies. I can still love those who don't yet know the Lord, uh, and and that's actually what I'm called to do. And there's great great power in that. Yeah, you know, I, I very well said. I, you know, and I, I, I'm thinking about something that I've seen more often, I guess, lately, which is we we sometimes get so. Um, enamored or, or kind of fixated on defending the church that we stop being the church. Yes. Right. Well we're, we're, we're so busy trying to protect something that it's, it's not our job to protect, right? Like I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, one of my, one of my, one of my favorite um, parts in, in the gospel narrative is, is um, right. The, 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 the sons of thunder, James and John, they go out and they're supposed to be preparing the way for Jesus um, in this, in this, in this Samaritan village. And they go out and they come back and they're like, they didn't care. Right. Like they had no interest in, in preparing for you or whatever. And then, and then immediately their minds go, do you want us to call hellfire down upon yeah, them? Yeah. And, and Jesus' response is like, no, dude, like, no, 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 Calm no, down, no, weirdos. Yeah. Right. It's like, what, what, what possessed you to think that that was the right next move? You know, but there's, yeah. there's so much defensiveness in their yes. posture, you know, yes. about Jesus that they just kind of forgot themselves for a moment. Right. They, they yep. kind of like lost their way. And, and yep. I think that can repeat itself a lot of times in modern Christianity. And, you know, as you say, as we look at the world around us and we see that cultural values aren't lining up, right? Um, yep. There's there's significant shifts here. And, and we become so fixated on kind of fixing those or repairing those or defending the church's position that we sometimes, like James and John, forget ourselves. Um, yes. You know, and in those moments you know, another important point to recognize in those moments, maybe we're a little bit more like the evildoer than we would care yep. to admit. Yep. Um, right. And so there's a, a bit of reflection that I think we need to take upon ourselves to go, uh, you know, I'm, I, I need maybe some, some of the same kind of blessing as an evildoer because I've, I've treated people very poorly in the name of what I thought I was supposed to defend. Yeah, that's, dude, that's totally right. Totally right. Well, and I think, it's funny too that that whole Samaritan village account. It's like it, I, I want to say it's Luke uh, fifteen where that happens, and then like the next parable Jesus tells, 
is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, right? So, so it's like, you guys wanted to burn these, you know, fools to the ground. Uh, this is going to be the hero in my next story, right? I mean, like, it's just... <laughs> right, right, like, right. Jesus just flips it on him. Um, but I think, too, you're right. Like, that that defensiveness is so, such a temptation for us. And and I think... I, I love what you said. Like, we, we get so caught up in defending the church that we forget to be the church. And, and again, a lot of that has to come from how we understand how the church is going to continue and what sustains the church and what gives it authority. And, and I just think of Jesus, you know, words to, to his disciples and Peter in particular in Matthew 16, where, where Jesus says, I will build my church. Like right. Jesus says, I, and so I, I mean, I, yeah, so it's here. I, I get people I, actually every week, Tony, who email me and say, pastor Gabe, do you think X, Y, Z, and this is always the line is a quote, existential threat to the church uh and they're not talking ah, yes. about like Camus and Sartre they're talking about the continued <laughs> right. existence of the church right 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 and my answer is always no nothing is an existential <laughs> right. threat to the church right. um like, <laughs> now I mean don't get me wrong like there's things that we can get sucked into and and you know whatever sure. else and the church can lose its way but but the yeah. church will remain because it is Christ's church. He will build it. The gates of hell will not prevail. We're confident in that Absolutely. promise. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there is no single point of, uh, you know, morality or value or anything that will defeat the church. There, it's not like there's some silver bullet out there that, right, right. you know, once once this happens, then we just should pack it up and go home because right. that's it. Um, right. Yeah. You know, Christ is the church. He is yeah. the, the essence of embodiment of everything that we are. And so. You know, they, they tried to kill him once and it didn't work. I don't think the uh, <laughs> the latest uh, American fad of, of, you know, value assessment is going to be the thing that does it. Um, right. It just doesn't work that way. That's right. I mean, and we look at, you know, our brothers and sisters in China where, I, you know, any estimate except for the ones from the Chinese government puts the um, <laughs> puts the size of the church there near like 100 million people. I mean, yeah, yeah, you, like, yep. you can't stop it. No, you can't. And 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 as you've said before, it, it actually tends to grow in yep. such situations, um, yep. which is just a testament to the the nature of gospel living, um, yep. and and what it means to live that that life of love. So, uh, man, excellent discussion. Really appreciate your input on this. Um, yeah, this is this has been great. So. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Gabe's going to be back for us on uh, episode eight, and we're going to kind of cap a lot of this stuff off um, yeah. and, and continue to have this conversation about what it means to defend hope and kind of what the future of that is. So thanks again for joining me, Gabe. Uh, look forward to uh, episode eight with you. Hey, my pleasure, man. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. Yeah, you bet. All right, so we're going to jump into this uh, next section here, a feature we're going to do on the in or out. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the latest things that we have been streaming, uh, both podcast-related and YouTube-related, that have really helped us to gain a little bit of understanding about the world around us and maybe lighten our mood a little bit during this uh, COVID era. So that's what's coming up on this edition of The In or Out. All right, young man, in or out? All right, so streaming, right? We, I, I do a lot of streaming of different things, podcasts, uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime, as Gabe, I'm sure you do as well. Um, so 
what's been the latest kind of thing for you? Maybe some of our listeners can can kind of jump in on some of these things and gain the same value that you found. But what, what have you been streaming lately? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'll I'll start with podcasts uh, real quick, and I'll give uh, two. One that's uh, it's fun, but also educational, and then one that's kind of been helpful for me uh, ministry-wise. So uh, the fun one is. Uh, it's called Hardcore History uh, by Dan Carlin, and uh, it the description of it makes it sound 0% fun, but this guy <laughs> is so good that I just guarantee you, if you gave it one shot, you'd be in. I've gotten many people hooked on him. Gotcha, Basically, gotcha. he picks uh, some moment in history, and and he, do, he just deep dives into it for upwards mm. of about, I mean, 40 hours, uh, wow. and, and over the course of like three years. I'm not kidding. So wow. I, I first got into him. He did a, a series on, on the... Um, the Mongols, uh, and he called it the Wrath of the Khans, nice. uh, and and he starts with kind of how the Mongol Empire expanded, and it's four hour long episodes of one guy talking, wow. but the amount of detail, his storytelling, he does this amazing thing of giving you thirty thousand foot views, but then also three foot views, and oh, wow. and he just. Um, you can see the full timeline unfold in your head, but you can also get what it might have been like. It, what it might have been like to be sacked by Mongol raiders, you know. Oh, wow. uh, and so it's it's just fascinating stuff. So hardcore history by Dan Carlin. Can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, and then ministry wise, um, my favorite one is called This Cultural Moments uh, with Mark Sayers and John Mark Comer. Mm. Uh, John Mark Comer is a pastor in Portland. Mark Sayers is a pastor in Melbourne, Australia, and they just talk about. Um, Kind of the shifts we're experiencing in in what uh, you know, the philosopher Charles Taylor has called a secular age, uh, which we all kind of get that vibe. And, right, and right, so, right. what does it mean to to do ministry in kind of a post Christendom era? How do we understand it? Um, and and they just are very very thoughtful dudes. And and I've found, as opposed to you know, I mean, similar to what we talked about in in our podcast, as opposed to just attacking things they're trying sure. to understand things mm. and then seek to live the gospel within how we can understand these shifts in our culture oh, so really fantastic. appreciate yeah. them for that yeah 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 do you want me to do my youtube or should i pause yeah you know go ahead and do youtube yeah tell me what okay. you YouTube. okay so my number one youtube and this is just totally a fun one but it's called the punk rock mba like Ooh. masters of business administration there we go um, so i'm a Yes, as as Tony knows, uh, I'm a I'm a punk kid. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, grew up in uh, the Metro Detroit East Side Hall scene. What up? Uh, and um, and uh, so really into it. But uh, this guy, he explores kind of the the business end and the marketing end of the alternative music scene, and says like, all right, why did this genre succeed for a while, and then why did it fade away, or why did this band rise to such critical acclaim and then fade away, or why are they still successful, and what have they done that they've pivoted that's made them work well? So he kind of goes beyond the music to get into sort of the the market psychology of the success of, of different bands and artists, and oh, uh, nice. it's just fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's great. I I, I love kind of things like that that give you a bit of a glimpse behind the scenes of some of those things um, where you yeah. kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and, and you know things that you've been involved in things that you've loved and then you pull back the curtain a little bit and it just it, it, it makes it explode right um, yes just it's 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 fascinating you know I'm, I, my, mine are very much uh, similar in a lot of different ways you know I'll, I'll start with my YouTube um, you know my YouTube one has been um, this YouTuber called OK Samurai um, he, he works for Adobe um, and he he does a lot of tutorials on how to use uh, Adobe Character Animator, which is their um, animation platform. And um, so 
so what he does is he'll create like a cartoon um, using the the character animator, and then he'll go back and do an entire YouTube episode on how he did that, right? So you saw these mm. things in it. Here's how I did it, um, and, and so it's it's just fascinating. Cool. Is I, I'm I'm fascinated with animation um, and kind of how it works, and so um, that's that's been really cool to watch. So that's Okay Samurai, um, great great channel, and we'll put links to all these things um, down in the description cool. so people can get connected to them uh, if they want to. Um, my my podcast choice, other than obviously the Bold Speak podcast, um, Bold Speak man, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, other than other than our podcast here, um, I've been really enjoying um, the Sleeping at Last podcast. Um, Ryan O'Neill, uh, artist, in many ways, kind of a grandfather of a lot of the modern cinematic rock. Um, he he does a podcast where um, he goes through and talks about the different songs that he does, and, and he does these kind of large scope albums. Like um, he did one called Yearbook uh, a long time ago, where he released three songs every month, and those three songs were in some ways correlated and related to kind of what was going on in the month. So, like in in January, there was a song called Snow, and and right, so there's things like that um, where he does these kind of yeah. large scale projects. Um, another one called Atlas, um, where he talks about lots of different things around the globe um more recently he's done a series on the different enneagram types and he's written songs to match up with each enneagram type and so this podcast goes in and he says you know i just released this song now i'm going to tell you about my process right like how i got there mm. here are the things that i was mm -hmm. thinking about and and these parts here here's what they're sort of emulating and showing and it, it's it's fascinating again kind of pulling back the curtain of an, of an artist that i love um, and sort of seeing his process and how he goes about the creation of these songs. So um, I've, I've really enjoyed that um, as a, a music creator myself and, and someone who just is very passionate about music. So that's um, that's been yeah, really, really powerful cool. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, I was going to ask, I, I think you've told me before, but what Enneagram are you? Um, you know, it's it's been a while um, since I've done it and I I'm trying to remember what I was. Um, cause I did it like way, like, oh gosh, it was like eight, nine years ago. I think I was okay. Oh, two. I could see that. I think so. I think what's, I don't remember okay. what my second one, my secondary one was what your wing was. Yeah. yeah. I bet your two wing three would be my guess, but yeah. I've been wrong before. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe I'll go so, back yeah. and, and take it and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see, we'll see <laughs> yeah, what it yeah. is and we'll, we'll let y'all know what, uh, <laughs> what my Enneagram yeah, is after. I for take sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. So cool man well uh yeah so there you go uh those are our streaming bits that are getting us through these covid days uh if you're interested in history uh go ahead and check out uh, the hardcore, hardcore history, history podcast that that gabe mentioned um or if you're into hardcore like punk rock music you know you have some some youtube streaming options there uh if you're into animation okay samurai you like music sleeping at last podcast those are the streaming things that we are definitely into That's all for this episode of the Bold Speak Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you connect with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at forward slash the Bold Speak. Learn more about the ministry and find other resources at www.theboldspeak.com. And make sure you like, subscribe, and share this podcast to stay up to date on the latest from Bold Speak Ministries. Until next time, keep living the gospel and giving them the Bold Speak. 